the Doghouse, the official radio show of Gardner-Webb Athletics. Brendan Boylan, Tyler Helms with you on this podcast. The goal of this show is to bring news, stats, analysis, and more to Gardner-Webb students, fans, alum, and anybody else who's here wanting to listen to this podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. This will be something we try to put out weekly. Hopefully it becomes a live show on WGWG.org at some point. That's what we're hoping for. But uh, we just hope you guys enjoy this and hopefully catch up on your Gardner-Webb Sports with this podcast. Tyler, let's start in a week in review. Seemed like the dogs, all they did was win this week. And we'll start off with the women's basketball team. Uh, they beat Campbell 68-56 to behind Sierra Huntsman, 16 points, 4 rebounds, and 5 dimes. She steps up as the dogs, missed their leading score and leading rebounder, Olivia Parker, due to an ankle injury. Not sure when she's going to be back, but the dogs have played pretty decent basketball. Without her, she could be up for player of the year in the conference. Let's hope the dogs keep this up. Big win this week for wrestling as well, Brendan, as they knock off number 24, Duke, 19-18. to Their second win over a ranked opponent in their last three matches, also knocking off number 25, App State, earlier this season. Yeah, and wrestling's a sport that doesn't get maybe the attention it deserves. Very good team this year, doing a lot of great things. As you said, two ranked opponents in the last three weeks. They're dominating some of these bigger schools, and it's really good to see. Let's go ahead and jump in. Dominating dogs' performance of the week. We'll go with men's basketball this week. They defeat High Point 79-74. to High Point ranked number two, or at least in a tie with a lot of different schools, for number two in the conference going to that game. Gardner-Webb's all the way down to seven. But if you look at the standings here, Tyler, it seems like all the teams are really fighting for that first-round bye. Remember, the top five teams get a first-round bye in the Big South Conference Tournament. But Gardner-Webb maybe got really lucky in this game because John Brown went off. John Brown, a forward for high point standing at six foot eight, projected to be a late first-round draft pick in this year's NBA draft. He's a freak athlete. He scored 32 points, got 13 boards, and he's now the leading scorer in high point history. John Brown with a fantastic game for high point, but what was key for the running Bulldogs in this game, finally got it going from behind the three-point line, Brendan, shooting 50% as a team after struggling and only shooting 24% from behind the arc in the midst of a four-game losing streak. Then they bounced back with a win over Charleston Southern, still only shot 21%. From behind the line in that game, the three ball was huge. Uh, The three ball is going to continue to be huge for the rest of the season for the running Bulldogs. Another key stat that I circled here in our notes, Gardner-Webb outscored high point 22-8 off the bench. Remember, Isaiah Ivey was in the starting lineup for a lot of the year for the Dogs. Kind of found himself more in a sixth-man role. It's fitting him really well. He had 12 points off the bench. Also, though, concern in that game, Gardner-Webb up by 16 at one point in the matchup. At one point in the second half, Garner-Webb already had eight fouls. High point hadn't committed a foul at all. Foul trouble continues to be key as well for this team, but overall a good performance against high point. Yeah, they have a big game coming up on ESPN3 against Presbyterian College. Let's hope the three ball keeps going down, and let's hope we can stay out of a little bit of foul trouble in that game. All right, National Signing Day was this last Wednesday with high school students deciding where they're going to take their talents at the collegiate level. The Dogs brought in 15 new faces with this year's class. Here to discuss the incoming class and the upcoming season is head coach Carol McRae. Coach McRae, thank you for coming in and spending some time with us. I know you got a busy schedule and everything. Uh, first question I have for you is you're losing seven defensive starters and your defensive coordinator, your brother, going to another school, taking the, a defensive coordinating job. 
Uh, how much do you see things changing on the defensive side of the football? Well, first off, I, on behalf of uh, the players, I remind you that losing my brother wasn't near the factors. Losing those players, they're always more valuable than the coaches. And uh, you know, we're you know we schematically um, are happy where we are defensively. We've been pretty good, and uh, but we've been good because we had good players. And um, but uh, when we lost Randall uh, to Texas State, I felt like we <clears throat> really you know we're still where we needed to be defensively schematically. We're going to be uh, the same football team we were. We're a 3-4, very, very multiple football team. Uh, <clears throat> so we've moved uh, Travis Cunningham into that role, who's very knowledgeable of what we've done and how we do it. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited about uh, what we've done defensively. Um, the players we lost now, that's a whole different deal. Uh, we got hit in the middle, you know, really tough. Uh, we got two really fine out, outside linebackers returning, all-conference guys. Our four spokes secondary, uh, five or six of those guys have had to start at some point. We have some maturity in the back end, which is a luxury for you, uh, but we've got to replace that middle, and uh, we're really going to have to work extremely hard to uh, replace those guys up front. Uh, recruiting, you know, the last two years, we've got guys in spots. They don't have great experience, so spring practice and summer ball is going to be critical for those guys that have to replace that front seven you talked about. Coach, staying on the defensive side of the ball, one of those seven players that we lost was O.J. Mao, selected for an All-American for the third time. How excited would you be if his name is called on draft day? Well, I think any time you have a player of his caliber that may have a chance to go play for money, uh, it's exciting for the individual, his family, but it's exciting for our football program and our entire university that uh, wherever he might go, uh, he would be able to talk about wearing the red and black, uh, just like we do as coaches and students, and represent us in, in a great way, which he's a great ambassador for our school. But uh, certainly that would be an honor to have a young man be able to get his name called on draft day. And uh, I think he has opportunities, and I hope, certainly hope that will happen. Uh, when you play a 3-4 defense like we do, we're very pro-style in it. You've got to have a horse in the middle. O.J. has provided that since our arrival, and uh, – you'll be sorely missed, to say the least. Coach, switching gears a little bit, let's talk about the incoming class. Can you talk about the variety of talent coming in from different positions? I can. You know, when we when we had a small senior class, we have 14 guys, and uh, all those guys are going to graduate. Uh, nine of them have already gotten their diploma, and the other five will graduate in May, so I'm, I'm proud of that. But anytime you see those guys walk, you know, you you got to get uh, some guys in their spots. Uh, we only had... We thought we would probably sign seven, maybe eight guys each side of the ball, and we weren't going to sign a kicker or a punter this year uh, because of guys we have confidence in. So, uh, you know, we set out, you know, try to find some linemen. We found three offensive linemen, uh, a couple of defensive linemen, which you got to continue to build your uh, line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Uh, because of a really large uh, secondary class that will graduate next year. We signed four guys on the back end defensively, uh, you know, which Jalen Foster out of Spartanburg was a big sign for us. Uh, Kendrew Wynn uh, out of Norcross, which is a real strong school in uh, Georgia, along with some other guys that I, I think are really going to come in and grow in that back end. Uh, Linebacker-wise, uh, we signed a spur, which is our strong outside linebacker, and one inside linebacker. And, um, 
You know, we've got some guys returning, but that'll be big for us next year. And uh, really happy with the guys. I think defensively, I would really categorize us as uh, having a real strong group of runners and hitters and uh, really some ball hawks over there. So I'm excited about those guys defensively. On the offensive side of the ball, we were able to uh, move forward and get three offensive linemen, as I said. A tight end, which will be critical. Mike Estes is coming back. You know, who's all all-American type young man coming back to play his fifth year. Able to do that. We signed a couple running backs. You know, a real fast young man uh, out of Creekside uh, down in, uh, uh, you know, outside of Atlanta. And then we signed a real, uh, you know, I think a powerful runner out of A.L. Brown in Kannapolis, who, uh, you know, everybody once thought was going to go play for, uh, you know, the U.S. Military Academy and chose to come here. So, uh, you know, very strong program there I'm excited about. Uh, Receiver-wise, you know, we uh, we brought a young man in at mid-semester, A.J. Keene, who happened to be at West Point. Uh, he was at the preparatory school out of Savannah, Georgia, and he was able to come in at midterm. He's already with us, been with the strength coach. He'll be in spring practice in two weeks. Looking forward to A.J. running around. He played both defensive back and uh, receiver in high school. Low running back, quarterback, a real athletic young man. And uh, then got a receiver out of the Greensboro Page area. You know, they played uh, one of our local teams for the state championship, and uh, we're glad to have him. So I thought it was a pretty multiple group, uh, at least, you know, one at each spot. Uh, and then I thought the staff did a real good job, you know, making sure we filled the needs that we had on the board uh, with the money we had available. And then we've got a real strong group of young men that are going to come and, you know, maybe be a part of the program and earn money while they're here. I think the interest is much higher than it was. When we arrived uh, three years ago, uh, you know, we normally had uh, 90 in our program last year, 95, and I think we may go up over 100 this year. So I think the interest, especially in our local North Carolina area, is really gaining ground. Coach, you dropped two really close games last season against Elon and Kennesaw State. What can your players learn from those to help if a close game situation arises this season? Well, I hope we learned a lot. Uh, that You know, first of all, you got to play to the end of the ball game. Sometimes you got to prepare to play overtime, three of them. And uh, I think the good football teams at every level from Super Bowl all the way down to, you know, high school, uh, when you grow a football team and try to have a football program, you know, you got to learn to win those tight ball games. And to have a really good season, you know, you got to win some 10-7s, some 14-13s, some 17-14s, and then you hope you win some by a big margin. Uh, but I hope we learned a lot, you know, about playing to the end finishing football games off. Certainly, if we'd have finished those two, I think it would have catapulted us into maybe winning that last ball game against Monmouth uh, with a few things going our way, and, and uh, we could have really had a season to talk about. So it's a fine line between having a real season we're all proud of and a season we know we've got to get better at. But uh, I'm hoping we learn from that, and I hope we can get a fast start this coming year and really finish some ball games off, especially if we're close. Coach, last season you brought it up a little bit already. Consisted of a, a lot of the next man up mentality due to an abundance of injuries. Heading into the next season with a healthy squad, how do you foresee the season playing out? Well, if you can stay healthy, uh, I think the championship teams usually are healthy football teams. I think if you look back at uh, Charleston Southern, they were able to stay healthy most of the year. Uh, we're all going to have guys that have to step up, you know, and come in and play major roles when maybe. Uh, you aren't the starter. You know, by the end of the season, you are the starter, and that's where you really, you know, start to have a program more than just a team, you know, where you have guys can step up and win the football game. And uh, I think if you look at the history of the Big South Conference or Southern Conference or the ACC or SEC, 
is teams that are playing with the same guys most of the year, especially in key roles. So uh, if we can stay injury-free and grow some young talent, I hope that uh, you know we can start faster and uh, really polish in the middle and get strong at the end when we have Big South play and see how we fare against some, some guys that have been to the playoffs this past year. All right, Coach, one more f- little bit of a fun question. We haven't thrown it at you. Super Bowl prediction. Yucks, yeah. you have the hometown Panthers and the Denver Broncos. What are your thoughts on the game and who's going to win and why? I always go with the home team, okay? I'm Panthers all the way, and uh, somebody just asked me that at a meeting. Although, I'll tell you this, I think it'll be a close ball game. Uh, certainly, the other team has a great defense and a pretty veteran quarterback. And when you got those two things, you can beat anybody on a given day. So, I expect a good ball game, and uh, I'm hoping that bunch out of Charlotte will come out on top at the end. All right, Coach, thank you so much for coming in and spending some time with us. Good luck next season. We hope to talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. You're always welcome. Let's go ahead and jump into the weekend ahead. Women versus Winthrop at 1.30. The men play PC at 4 on ESPN3. Let's go ahead and start with the men. We're already there. We've talked a little bit about the success they've had in this season. What are the keys to winning this game on ESPN3? We've touched on already. The key, in my mind, is the three ball as well. But you have to reverse things from the foul issue. Get to the free throw line yourself. You're not shooting bad overall as a team from the free throw line this season. Tyrell Nelson... Been big, averaging nearly a double-double over the last 10 games. Have to get Nelson going early on. Well, a big problem with Tyrell in the midst of that losing streak you just talked about is Tyrell was almost awful from the line, shooting around 30% from the line as a team in that losing streak, shooting somewhere around 60%. Those numbers have to go up if you expect this team to win ball games. Very good points from you, Tyler. Let's transition, go into the women's game against Winthrop at 130 Winthrop taking a game from Gardner-Webb earlier in the season. Remember, Winthrop was ranked number two in the coaches' preseason poll, expected to do really big things in the conference this year. They're sitting at 2-10 in the conference. They lose their leading scorer and the leading scorer of the Big South Conference to a foot injury. That's Erica Williams, number 33, appears to be out for the remainder of the season. She's scheduled for surgery this week. And Winthrop, just everything's going down. A lot of big injuries to this team, but they've shown how they can play when they're all healthy, beating that Gardner-Webb team, I believe, by 19 points, if I'm not mistaken. Two of their players in double figures, and by double figures, even bigger than double figures, both over 20 points. Erica Williams is one of those players, so a big loss for them on that side of the ball. But you look at Gardner-Webb in that game, Tierra Huntsman, who is a scoring point guard, one of the better point guards in terms of scoring in the Big South Conference, held the 0 from 6 from the field. Olivia Parker didn't have a huge day. She had 9 points, 11 boards. Candace Brown had 24 points. That was the big one. She really kept them in the game for a while, but to still lose by 19 and not get a lot of bench production after some huge games. They go to North Carolina, knock off the number 20 Tar Heels in the first game of the season. That game at Winthrop coming right after beating the number one ranked school in the preseason polls in Liberty. So maybe a little bit of a win hangover, for lack of a better term. Uh, Coach Reeves has said he takes full responsibility for that loss, says that not a very good game plan, but coming to this game, they have a better game plan. I'll sit on practice today, try to get a little more on that game, but I'm really looking at the three-point ball for the dogs. You look at the games that they have won and played very successful, and they're shooting over 40% from behind the arc when they're not not looking so hot. 
even if Parker's not able to go, Curry, who was playing the four position in this last game for the women's team, she was three of four from downtown, gave really good minutes. Alicia Quinn, the starting center, and kind of in a limited role because of injuries as of late, six points, 11 boards. I'm really looking for the dogs to get on that glass and and get another victory over a Winthrop team that they should beat looking to get up from fourth in the conference and try to do something and make a run towards first place. They're only two games out of first place. Well, surely, Brendan, after dropping a game to Winthrop by 19 earlier in the season, you want to bounce back and play well. And a name that you didn't mention and mentioning almost the full roster, it's got to be Alexis Hill step up in this game, playing good ball as of late. Could be a key in this game against Winthrop. Yeah, and another big key with her, the dogs are 10-4 and four on the season when she scores at least 10 points. She's a big key, not one of those players that's going to eat up the stat sheet, but 100% motor 24-7 for Alexis Hill. Let's transition a little bit. Women's home opener against Virginia Tech at noon on Super Bowl Sunday, Tyler. Yeah, women's lacrosse, fairly new sport here at Gardner-Webb with last year being the first season. Their season gets under way today against Limestone on the road. Again, you mentioned home opener on Sunday against Virginia Tech. Big school there. Be interesting to see what the running Bulldogs can do. Yeah, they lost 20-1 to at Virginia Tech last season. A big key to this year's team, though, is they go from a roster of only 14 players, only having one or two subs available for majority of these games, to now you have a full roster of 22. You have a brand-new head coach, you know, being promoted from assistant to head coach earlier in the season, they get a lot of time together as a unit. Remember, a new team and a lot of these girls being freshmen and transfer students are not going to have the same chemistry. They got a year under their belt. Let's see how they do against this Virginia Tech squad. Well, another segment that we'll have here for you every week is who Brennan and I believe is the player of the week for the running Bulldogs. This week, it has to go to Nathan Lyle of the men's swimming team. He was voted the Coastal Collegiate Sports Athlete Swimmer of the Week. Um, and for those of you that don't know, the CCSA is a Division I swimming conference comprised of 13 members from regional conferences that include the Atlantic Sun, Big South, Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, and the SOCON. And a big deal. It's his third time he's won this award this season. He's done great things for Gardner-Webb. A lot, lot, a lot of different wins for him while he's been here. He's broken tons of records here. Congratulations to Nathan Lyle, and we hope best things for him being a senior swimmer here, and what a way to go out. Obviously, you have a couple more meets, a couple more big meets. They got one coming up at Georgia here in the next few weeks. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at GWU Doghouse, and that's G-W-D-A-W-G, House, not DOG House. Stay up to date with all of our Gardner Web news, different promotions. We'll have some different things involving fans of the week. We'll try to stay involved in terms of the student life here and for the alum and everything. We'd love to hear from you guys on Twitter. Uh, any suggestions you have for this show? Obviously, keeping it a little short today, first podcast. Going to try to make this a little longer. We're going to try to have guests every week. We want to again thank Coach Carol McCray spending some time with us talking about signing day obviously he's extremely busy you know spring practice is coming up soon so thank you to coach McCray Tyler always a pleasure buddy uh, great to be behind a microphone with you again it's been a while it's been a it's been a long while good to be back on the mic Brendan 
Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to stay tuned for next week. We'll have a brand new show, brand new topics, and we'll talk about this huge double header weekend for the running Bulldogs. Thanks, and good night.